0: Get the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music guide you through the opaque world of venture capital and reveal all the ways you can source capital for your company's growth. It all starts right here with Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music on VC Confidential.
1: Welcome to VC Confidential. I'm Ian Kennedy, and I'm here with my co host and partner at Outlines Venture Group, Jillian Music. Together, we are the general partners of the Sibylla Masters Fund. You can learn more about that at masters.vc.
2: Hi, Jillian. Hey, Anne. How's it going today? Very well, thank you. Great. I love starting the week with you here on VC Confidential. What's on your mind? On my mind today. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you, angel investors. and you may say, what? because no kidding. Yeah yeah, yeah because we since we launched this new podcast two months ago, we've been talking about the issues founders trip over in their efforts to capitalize their companies and mm-hmm. offering what we've discovered as some solid advice for that. So let's take an episode now to talk about potential investors in venture capital funds, in particular, first timers. And mm-hmm. we'll get to why we're doing that in a moment. But investing in a VC fund is quite different from investing in as, as an angel.
2: Mm-hmm. Let's That's talk true.
1: about how VC works for investors, kind of, if you will, VC 101 to help angels level up. Or, as I like to say, what to expect, when
2: you are investing. Yeah, as opposed to what to expect when you're expecting, huh? Okay. All right. With apologies to that one. All right. So that's a really a good idea, Anne, actually. We do a lot of work to help angels level up and become VC investors. And, you know, we've talked hundreds of times here and in our public appearances and all of that about the fact that women leaders still get about 2% of venture capital. Um, And diverse founders, same problem, right, at the seed and series A stage. And that's far too little to enable anybody to make an impact so that was our big takeaway from our own angel investing remember you know the idea that the money must come from new and different hands and get into new and different hands Uh, so we want to get those women and founders of all manner of diverse attributes and backgrounds uh, not only funded but we want to get them funding when they are capable of doing so so I think working with new investors, you know, they usually come up from angel investing to become VC investors. This is a good talk. Let's, uh, let's have at it.
1: Yeah. And of course, the, the whole point is let's make the pie bigger mm-hmm. because that's where the power lies for both the investors and op- entrepreneurs. Diversity on all sides. And as we know, diversity makes for stronger mm-hmm. and more resilient companies and economies and homogeneity leads to stagnation. So let's help more people consider whether they'd like to be investors in venture capital
2: firms. I'm game. All right. So let's start by talking about the different uh, differences between the various stages and the types of investing in privately held companies. I'll start. Go for it. The size of the check. You'll be writing a larger check when you invest in VC firms. Angels write checks as small as, say, five to ten thousand. VC investments generally start at about mm, maybe a hundred thousand, commonly at five hundred thousand. Many are often limited to those who can write checks for a million or more, and sometimes much, much bigger than that. Number two, commitment. Usually. It's about a three-year commitment. You're going to invest an X amount of capital, and you're going to do it over three years. So expect your capital also to be tied up for about 10 years or more. The average conventional venture capital fund is a 10-year fund. So don't expect your money to come out the other way.
1: But, But wait a minute. Don't they also have clauses where they can extend them? that's three years and that's right and are they not in fact doing that as they wait for their
2: uh their unicorns to arrive yes especially if you're doing things at the series a stage and most of the vc firms are kind of playing in that stage right there's this massive numbers of vc firms the big guys they play at later stages but the little ones at that seed or series a uh they're going to take an awful long time to come out the other end yeah 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 um control of the money go for it take control of the money What's okay sometimes
1: angel groups and i can think of a couple of well-established ones here in uh, um in philly one is robin hood ventures the other mm-hmm. is uh, diamond ventures uh, there's also delaware crossing partners mm-hmm. they will invest the cash for you if you join their angel group mm-hmm. sometimes the investors um have more control, and write their own checks to individual companies.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, we uh, have this- <laughs> But <yeah. laughs>
1: When you invest in a VC firm, it's an entirely different ball of wax. And we found this article, um, which uh, on uh, the purpose is profit, that really helps understand the differences among types of investors. And I think it would be really good if if we went through that really quickly. And we'll put a link up where people can find it so they could okay. see the detail. But you want to
2: start with the angels. Okay. Um, Yeah, I think the the article is uh, kind of focused a little more on entrepreneurs, but it's very informative to investors as well. So, angel investors, whether they're individual or whether they're part of an angel group, they're often retired entrepreneurs or previous entrepreneurs between gigs, if you will, or they could be executives. They want to optimize their experiences and their networks, and they like to keep abreast of business developments. They're generally motivated by more than just the money return. Uh, They're looking to serve as mentors and so on advisors that kind of thing for this next generation of entrepreneurs angel groups networks yeah they sometimes pool their resources of both the wisdom and the capital and that way they can make bigger and better investments individual angels or even angel groups will provide funding at this seed stage or earlier so super early on
1: and I was going to add here that often you find that um, there are groups that are specifically for impact investing, you know, mm-hmm. for second and third bottom lines that tend to come out of some of the angel groups.
2: You know what? You'll find that at every level, I think. Oh, well, of, yeah, uh, you're right. You know, angel and VC, uh, but it's, um, I should say, the, the later the stage, the more that's already put in place. Okay. Venture capitalists. Okay. Uh, take it away. All right. Uh so VCs they definitely invest in a group, right? You know, as a but they also invest in groups. So several VC companies will often take a uh, a venture, you know, together, right? Somebody will lead it, others will follow. They're typically willing to invest in higher risk ventures than either the angels or the private equity firms. Now that's intriguing, right? Yeah. More risk-tolerant and angel investors. So think about that if you're an entrepreneur listening to this show. All right. So like angels, the venture capitalists invest in the people, the products, ideas, and the media is full of stories about VCs who invest in startups. And so, you know what? The truth is that VCs seldom actually do. Typically, their role comes at a later stage. It's after the seed funding has been satisfied. They've got product in the market, all of that stuff. So there's this article by Jerry uh, Stengel. It's a woman who wrote a Forbes article. It's called Want Venture Capital. Here are some 10 must haves. So again, it's focused on entrepreneurs, but very informative to what we're here. We'll stick that link on the LinkedIn page as well. So VCs focus on marketers. They're capable of becoming a minimum $100 million company. Okay, so that's a big difference than other kinds of investors, right? These companies will capture a significant slice of markets worth about a billion dollars or more, right? The gold ring for a VC company, of course, is the current company, the company that beats a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. So in right. 1948, right, we started conventional VCs, right? And the object was to fund If you will, the software or whatever root uh, invention is going to power the entire um, generation coming forward. That's a hugely different thing than funding companies who will leverage that kind of invention or software today, we might call it, um, that will power the next big thing. So whether you're inventing it or leveraging it are two vastly different pieces. The major problem I think that you and I see, Anne, is that conventional venture capital, designed for a very tiny group of companies, has been spread across all kinds of investments for all kinds of companies, and that's why it begins to fail.
1: Not because it's spread too thin, but as we Correct. will discuss later and have discussed many times, they're applying the wrong model, funding model, to right. all these other companies. And we'll yeah, talk about take- that that <laughs> later. But you have some interesting um, comments in here mm-hmm. that conventional VCs expect to take. They take very high risks in hope of generating huge returns from very few companies and yes. they often stake less than $10 million for early-stage companies, but they invest yeah. in dozens of them. And then what happens, Jillian? Well,
2: yes. Yeah. So, right, Um you know, it's, uh, we talk about the fact that, you know, there's, uh, these VC portfolio companies that become, you know, that have big winners and so on. And you read about them again and again. And it might be true for those very, very successful, uh, conventional VCs. We know the names Andreas and Sequoia, Excel Partners, Greylock, very, very few others. For these massive firms, the operating, you know, they operate with billions of dollars of institutional capital. Here's the numbers. Three out of every 10 investments will succeed just enough to recoup the investments. The rest are going to go out of business. So there's a 10% that are going to be a big win. One out of 10. 30% are going to give you one X or maybe a little less. Right. And then the rest, 60 percent, are going to die. The truth is that the Kaufman Foundation in October of 2019 said more than half of all conventional VC funds don't return anything to their investor. So when you mix those groups in will, with this small group where you get some returns, right? OK, now we have most of the companies are going to go out of business at 80 percent. Of the time in five years. 16% never return any exit uh, capital back to the fund. It means they might have exited, but really nothing coming back. And then a little less than 4% have a a sufficiently large enough exit to return something to the fund. Only a very few percentage of conventional VCs actually return the goal, the 300% or 3x to investors.
1: So as we go to break, let's just remind our listeners that This is a highly risky asset class. It's a real warning, and it Mm -hmm. shouldn't be dismissed or underestimated. Uh, I'll also throw in our own plug. Uh, We focus on more sustainable investment models at the um, Master's Fund equity investments with structured exits, and we talk more about the nuance in venture capital investing um, that increases ROI to investors after the break. This is V.C. Confidential, and we'll be right back.
0: More ways you can source capital for your company's growth on V.C. Confidential is coming up.
3: Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. search vendors.
0: and Kennedy and Jillian music are back with the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow on VC Confidential, only on WMR.FM.
1: Welcome back to VC Confidential. I'm Ann Kennedy. I'm here with Jillian music and we are talking today to angels all you angels out there we're calling you if you want to level up and learn to become a venture capital investor and in fact why and before the break we were talking about the difference between angels and vc there is one more group do you want to cover that real quick jillian about private equity firms because it's instructive to the i think to uh angels who are thinking about other ways to invest
2: so, VCs are kind of a uh, subset of private equity firms, but not all private equity firms are VCs, right? Not all ASB exactly, and VAs, yeah. right? Okay, <laughs> right. So, like venture capital, right, private equity firms invest funds in a large cross-section of industries, uh, not just tech and so on, uh, but uh, PEs make fewer investments than those made by angels or VCs, and they're much larger in value. Uh, it's kind of, you know, if one investment fails, the whole PE fund could fail. So most PE firms deal in the middle market transactions, maybe $50 million to $100 million, right? Lower market transactions would be $10 to $50 million. They purchase either controlling interest or outright purchase the entire operating company, right? Fully functional and operating. This is not an idea stage or anything like that. These uh, companies are ripe for expansion, uh, maybe globalization, or they could be just under-optimized, So big PE firms like the Carlyle Group, Colbert, Kravis, uh, Roberts, the Blackstone Group, they're well known for investing in what's called leverage leveraged buyouts. These transactions are with mature companies, and in a leveraged buyout, the PE firm or private equity firm uses its own equity, their own capital that they raise at the time of the deal itself, plus a large amount of debt, which is called leverage, and then they acquire the company or a business unit of a company, so maybe a piece of it, right? The target company is supposed to have good, stable cash flows, and the private equity firm then attempts to improve inefficiencies with the goal of earning a much higher return on their investment. So if they can see ways in which they can optimize the value, that's when they do it. And it's
1: clearly at a completely different stage in a company. And I know we're going to talk the stages in in a bit. Um, But each stage of investment from angel to venture capital to private equity is highly risky. Want to say that one more
2: time? Highly risky. Highly (gasps) risky. risky, Yes, it really is. And you should have a small piece of your portfolio on that. We should talk about numbers, right? I I was just counsel people who are even getting into angel investing. Never more than 10% and start with five or less. Right, whatever you have in your portfolio, a small piece goes to highly risky. A larger piece goes to middle risk, right? And another piece goes to the bank. You know that kind of thing, right? Think about the diversification of your portfolio. And this is your highly risky space.
1: Interestingly, one of the institutional's I was talking to here in the Philly area uh, a couple of weeks ago said, "Yeah, that's about eight percent goes okay. into into uh, uh, venture capital um, deals." that they do.
2: So So 8%, pretty close to 10. I just rounded up, but we're good. Yeah, Yeah, we all agree. Don't put the rent money in here. Yes, or the peanut
1: butter money. (laughs) (laughs) So reducing that risk, as well as reducing the time to exit, which is the moment you will recoup your initial investment and see an ROI that is commensurate with the risk of the asset class, is a major factor to consider when deciding whether and where to invest in early stage or operating stage companies. So let's now that we've covered what the different opportunities are, we're really focusing on moving from the angel level to the venture capital level, helping people understand what that is. So let's just start with what to expect when you and Angel, perhaps you've been Angel investing for years, like actually one of our investors at uh, Master's Fund has. Mm-hmm. Now, what can you expect when you invest in a venture capital fund or a venture fund?
2: Well, why don't you take it away? Uh, what kind of oh. documents are we gonna sign? Okay, sure. Um, first,
1: the major document documents you will need to sign include a subscription agreement, a W-9 form and an accredited investor form. The subscription agreement is the core document that's signed by both you and the general partners or general partner, depending on how many the fund has. It contains a lot of boilerplate material, which includes a long list of the risks involved in investing in DC funds, and in general provides some information about the general partners, the sum you'll be investing and in, how you'll receive your returns. Sometimes, the government requires qualified investor statements in a separate form. We like simple, so we included that in our subscription agreement. And you would self-identify as a qualified investor there.
2: Quick, Jillian, qualified Mm -hmm. investor. Qualified investor, yes, you must have at least a million dollars in investable assets. This cannot include your primary residence. All right so look at that and it's a very low barrier to entry these days uh, but again it does not include the value of your primary residence. okay And there are also uh, limitations on how much you can earn if you don't have that million bucks, if you're earning over 250,000, if you're a couple 350,000 a year, these numbers change quickly. So even if you're listening to this next week, go check it. Yep, It's easy to look up. The government provides this for us. The SEC tells you who's an accredited investor. This is an easy search.
1: Yeah. Um, The government also requires you to complete and sign a W-9 form to receive returns from the fund. That's in the happy occasion when the returns happen. Uh, This document is always separate and it always requires what we call a wet ink signature. In other words, you can't run it through your DocuSign or your Adobe Sign. You actually have to print it out, sign it, preferably in blue ink, scan it back in, and get it back to your fund
2: and some fortunately time. a scan these days guys is just a photo from your phone if you lay <laughs> exactly. it out carefully. <laughs> exactly. Kevin's, these things
1: are easy nowadays. Okay. So easy. Um and sometimes you'll have a separate document for you to provide banking information which is a place where the funds will go. As again, we look towards the positive results. Again, we like to keep things simple, so we've included all that in our core document, but you'll see it done several ways. There mm-hmm. is one more document um, that you will want to review, and this relates a lot to what we're going to talk to a little bit later about how do you choose a fund, and that is the LP agreement, which you don't have to sign, mm-hmm. um, but it will specify in exquisite detail Uh, what the fund is, how it is set up, how it will pay out returns, what the thesis is. There's a whole lot of information in there. And this is something that you should also review. And by the way, did we mention you need to review all these documents with counsel? Because I don't know about you, Jillian, or our (laughs) listeners, but I so many times I read a legal paragraph And I interpret it one way, and then I talk to our council,
2: and it turns out it meant actually the precise opposite. Thing. <laughs> well, hopefully that doesn't happen too often, but you know, <laughs> even once is way too much. It, so it's ever, onward. Our, yeah, ever <laughs> onward, yeah, ever onward. Yeah, uh, there's going to be a lot of verifications and assertions you're going to have to make. One, you're an accredited investor, right? You're going to be asked to include a letter, perhaps even from your accountant or financial and manager or banking, uh, you know, uh, uh, connections and so on, to confirm that you're an accredited investor. Sometimes you'll be able to self confirm. It depends on the situation. But under no circumstances should you really be asked to send actual financial statements to the fund. That would be very rare, OK? Uh, you're going to sign that you're not committing financial fraud, You know, such as money laundering and other types of fraud. Right. You're going to sign that you won't do that in the future, either. And these assertions are designed to protect investors, including you, as other investors are going to sign the same document before they are accepted into the fund. Uh, it protects you from bad actors and those who would commit that kind of financial fraud. So that's important stuff. Um, read these things carefully. They can be as much as you know, a hundred or more pages. I think ours are forty-four, and I am thrilled with uh, K&L Gates. I'll give them a plug. Uh, they did our documents uh, here in the Seattle area. They are a nationwide firm, of course, um, and I think that they did an excellent job of clarity and uh, brevity and so on. If you come across you know these documents that are hundreds of pages long, you want to think carefully. Did somebody take the time to make this clear? If you don't get it and your attorney doesn't get it, not a good way to begin the relationship.
1: So before um, we get on to uh, the next things we would like our angels to know as they contemplate becoming venture investors, which we'll probably have to do after another break, but I just wanted to say the reason for all of this documentation and the necessity of counsel is that when – you are dealing with a fund you ha- the uh, government takes did we mention government a lot <laughs> it takes a very keen interest in how things are done and that is mostly to protect the investors that is and yes. yes. so if it so, looks like um, an overwhelming amount of paperwork it is mostly to keep everybody safe and on the up and yes. up and-
2: Yeah, I would say just before we take this break um, that the uh, things like the Form D that is filed by venture capital firms uh, kind of is instead of having to file as an advisor. Uh, a financial advisor and so on, which is highly, highly regulated. This is an exception. So, because venture capital is an exception to all of these financial regulation rules that do protect the citizens and so on, uh, you know, from scammers, it becomes extremely important that you really do follow what regulations are applied to venture capital, right? Venture capital firms are not designed to be financial advisors in any way, shape, or form. So, That's why they get to file this exception or exemption from the other rules. But make sure that all of the documents are in order. Absolutely. And don't stint
1: on your lawyers for that purpose. Uh, So, So we must take another break for our sponsors. You are listening to VC Confidential. We'll be right back.
0: More ways you can source capital for your company's growth on VC Confidential is coming up. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Musick are back with the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow on VC Confidential, only on WMR.FM.
1: Welcome back to VC Confidential. We're so glad you joined us. In the last segment, uh, Jillian, you, you and I were talking about what angels who are contemplating investing in venture capital funds need to know. Now, let's give them some um of the the uh, really straightforward information that they need to know as they go
2: forward. Okay. So we talked a bit about the differences between angels, VCs, and PEs. We talked about the conventional venture capital a few moments ago. That's not the only kind of VC fund that you can have as an investor. So I think we should unpack that a little bit. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Conventional VCs, uh, well, it's a 10-year lockup and possibly longer. We talked about that. The returns are dependent on the exit of the portfolio companies. In other words, you'll get nothing back until the portfolio companies actually sell or have an IPO. The focus is on unicorns. 96% will not return any ROI to the fund, right, because the focus is on those very few companies that will have extraordinary returns. So this is by design. Um, About 4% was going to carry the average whole fund. The fund goals are about 3x. So 300% 300% return to investors. Uh, you're taxed as a venture capital investment, which just historically provided some tax advantage to investors. Ask your accountant about it, you know. Don't try to navigate that stuff yourself. Uh, these things also change very quickly and frequently, so check on what VC's investments will do for your portfolio. Um, funds with structured exits are what Ann and I are doing at the master's fund, right? And of course, we're going to give a plug to that concept because it took us a long time to put it together uh, based on what we saw as the kind of inappropriate application of conventional VC and just the other alternative, which we ventured debt. So in a fund with structured exits, you get shorter-term lockup. Generally, the return on investment begins about two to four years into the fund, Like venture capital, you get equity uh, from the company and you give the company capital in exchange for that equity. That's the sale of stuff. And then the company goes and grows itself. Now, very similar to the way conventional equity works in that point, but there is a structured exit plan. And that means at some point along the growth of the company, the company will begin to buy back that equity piece by piece, usually based on a percentage of their gross revenue or adjusted gross revenue as you choose. Um, And over time, you receive your initial investment back and your return on investment, and they receive all their equity back. There are all kinds of nuances about how you can keep some of it at some point and go for that massive exit should the company inflect and become, you know, go on that route to becoming a unicorn. There's all kinds of things you can do there. So we call it taking a scalpel not a hatchet to the job, right? Now, that structured exits. The goal, like everybody else, is about 3x return to investors. And you are still treated with VC investment uh, you know, uh, processes for tax purposes. Again, go ask your accountant. And then finally, uh, venture debt. And those are loans. Okay, now with limited partners, okay, this is kind of an important thing. I think, and you should talk to us about, you know, how important it is, you know, for a VC to know how a VC fund is structured and what your role is going to be in that VC fund.
1: Absolutely, especially for people coming from as uh, angel investors. An investor in a venture fund is called a limited partner, and that's because a fund is a partnership managed by general partners and those general partners make all the final decisions about which companies to invest in and when. In short, it's the general partners who have their heads on the block. mentioned that government thing, didn't Mm -hmm. we? Yeah. When it comes to the companies that receive investment and whether those companies return the expected ROI to the fund and therefore to you, the investor. So, as a limited partner, and you will hear this term LP tossed around, that's the, you know, just the mm-hmm. short for it. As a limited partner, you have rights to the returns on investment that will be specified in your LP agreement, but you will have very little control over the activities of the fund. And that is different from angel investing, uh, but it is uh, often a good thing. Um, a good example is Golden Seeds, uh, which like Masters Fund, invests in women- led companies. Uh, they have a very large angel group, about 275 people all over the country who meet periodically to hear the pitches, review uh, due diligence, and make the investment decisions. Um, but a couple of years ago they formed Golden Seeds Venture Fund, which comprises four funds and that are managed by general partners. The reason is these funds bring in additional capital by attracting investors who would prefer to have the decisions made by the experienced team of leaders. And so apart from the expert management, the fund gives investors access to larger and later stage deals um, at the stages at which the startups have begun to mitigate risk with market traction. Absolutely. So we may have to do another show on this, but uh, you want I wanna- agree. I'm yeah. I was just going to say, just so we've we got a few
2: seconds we are to running wrap up. A, yeah, <laughs> we do. So
1: what we really want to talk about is how do you find the right
2: fund to yeah. invest in? So I'm just going to rattle it off. You know, the first thing you want to look at is that vision mission goals, right? If it doesn't meet what you uh, actually want in your portfolio- Go look elsewhere. You know, diversity focus, gender lens, sustainable goals, environment, whatever it is you want to invest in, make sure it matches your portfolio requirements and that's your personal needs. The second thing is, do you want to be engaged or you just want to write a check, right? Do you want to be a venture partner? We can get into that next time. Uh, the whole show about what venture partners do. I Great. like that. There, so spoiler alert. <laughs> But we'll talk about that another time. And finally, you do want to know something about the diligence process, right? How do the general managers, the general partners, rather, or sometimes called managing director, conduct their due diligence? What's the criteria for investing? What stage will they invest in? And so on. Whether you choose conventional venture capital, private equity or this structured exit venture capital, you're going to want to know how does the thing run, what stage will it be, how long will you tie up my capital, how, what is my likelihood of a reasonable return on investment. So over time, we'd like to get into that some more. This was a oh, pretty yeah. good VC 101 overview.
1: I, I am sure we that talking about venture partners and a little bit more about this is going to be on our minds very soon. Who knows? Maybe even next week, Jillian. And that's a wrap for this episode of VC Confidential. We invite you to join us each week for a new episode as we take a deep dive into the opaque world of venture capital and share learnings and ideas on the inner workings of this shrouded corner of business finance known as VC. Uh, we'd like to thank our producers at WMR.FM who agreed to take a chance on our new show, VC Confidential. You can listen to future shows right here on WMR.FM and in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you like to get your podcasts. You'll also find all our CEO Coach podcasts there as well. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, and we are so glad you joined us on VC Confidential. You can find out more about us at outlinesventure.com. Till next
0: Week. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of Webmaster Radio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of Webmaster Radio.fm is prohibited.